0: Welcome to Hollywood Ungagged, the Sinead of Corner of political podcasts. Season 6, Episode 1. I am your host, David McClement, broadcasting from the Bluntire Free State. And joining me this evening is co-convener of SNP Socialists, co-host of Ungagged Talking Sense, and straight out of Milwaukee is Kat Carey. Hi, Kat. Hello. And introducing, Hello. The, th- and introducing the third member of this evening's triumvirate, Paul Kurt's Finest, the maestro of mozzarella, the veggie supreme himself, Brian stewart Finley. Hello, hello. I had to come up with a whole new intro for you, Brian, because I accidentally not deleted it before, so.
1: Well, I love it.
0: Keeping the, I pe- yeah, keeping the pizza theme. Always. My whole life. Well, we've not sat down like this for a while, so how is everybody? How's your summer been? Been any nice holidays? Yeah. Is that a (laughs) dig? I'm always
1: on holiday. I Actually, got a holiday coming up in two weeks' time. So yeah, been on a few nice little holidays, some little day trips. A few, more than one. Jesus, that's basically what I do. It's my profession. But yeah, been to Spain, going to Spain again, been for some nice little days out. But loads and loads of work in between. So you know, balances out. But you're talking to two parents. Still,
2: I know.
0: I've only been two holidays.
2: Oh, nice.
0: Uh, <laughs> I went to Portugal with the family and I went to not Spain, I went to Catalonia uh, with my friend. So that was good fun. The whole idea of like, get away with the hectic of the kids and sort of recharge, but it usually this ends up you go to the pub when you go away with your pals, so you don't come back feeling as refreshed as you should.
2: Ah, um, uh, so you didn't take the kids?
0: Took them to Portugal, didn't take them to. Catalonia.
2: i did not have a holiday yet uh hopefully my partner's turning in his dissertation in in within hours hopefully hey. um yeah but you know somebody's got to work from home and make sure the kids don't starve or kill each other so <laughs> school starts in two days and i'm so excited at the time of recording also dune part two comes out in 80 days i think at the time of recording so that's going to be my holiday to the cinema
0: I've not seen the first Dune so good yeah,
2: I've never seen but any of them it's hard because like the Dune movie is amazing like I, like if you I love it as much as I love Andor and you know how much I love Andor right <laughs> um, and, and the books are good it's just different so the movie can be confusing if you haven't read the book but the music and the oh just
1: watch it. It's amazing. Yeah, I was going yeah, to, to see Barbie. That's more my sort of level of.
2: Oh, I want to see Oppenheimer, but I can't like go to the cinema that often. It's so expensive.
0: I went a a a binge watch Tulsa King recently. Sylvester so Stallone TV show. It's pretty good. I quite enjoyed it. Um, I didn't realize that halfway through it was made by the same guy that made Yellowstone, who seems to be just like churning out loads of really good TV shows. Um, so also, I,
2: I watched Silo. That was very, very good. Also starring uh someone from Dune. So the the gal who plays Lady Jessica is in Silo, but it's good like sci-fi dystopian feature stuff.
0: Also King's like a kind of gangstery sort of thing. But uh yeah, I ended up binging it when I should have been sleeping. I had a night shift, and ended up binging like the whole season just about. So I had a very tired shift at work that night. Also, news is uh, my cat was missing for like six weeks and he turned up. And my oldest daughter accidentally left the door open the next morning and he pissed off again. So he is now missing for three days as opposed to six weeks. So maybe Are I'll you come sure back. to your cat. Yeah. He's, quite, he's quite well he's, uh, he's quite um unique looking but yeah I don't know if he still considers himself my cat
2: that's, that's what I meant because you know it's the opposite I, of the cat I, came I understood back your question halfway day. through my answer <laughs> mm. do you have that song in Scotland the cat came back they thought he was a goner but the cat came back
0: I've never heard it. No. <laughs> <never> heard that.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, I will send it. I will include a link in the show notes. You know, I'm not insane. That was so good. It's like every so- kid in Amer- every American kid does it.
0: Okay. Hit your word for it. <laughs> was it from a cartoon or?
2: I think it was on Re- Reading Rainbow, which everybody watched. Reading Rainbow with LeVar Burton.
0: That's the only thing I know about it. That Lavar button. I don't think you got that here at all.
2: You, nobody wants to hear me singing again. I almost started singing the theme tune, but I won't.
0: Okay, let's just get into the enough of the witty banter. <laughs> we'll get started and let's get on, gang. Okay, first item in the agenda. Mr Youssef has ordered a review of Scottish Government bank card spending by civil servants in response to data published by the Daily Record, passed to them by the Labour Party. It was revealed that 58,000 transactions had taken place in the three-year period, totaling spending of £14 million. There is a long list of different things that I've got here that was spent on. Who wants to go first to talk about this very important topic?
1: Brian. um yeah this when this all happened i totally missed this because i've not really been on social media as much as what i am when we're recording these so i went and read about it in more detail Uh obviously not great considering the context where we are with the cost of living crisis and um, some of the things in the list were a bit odd which i thought was like a, a stay-at-home disco <laughs> or something was one of them, nail polish and various other things, which I thought was a bit odd. There was a big focus on airport security, passport checks and private lounges and things like that, which to some extent perhaps you can understand. I don't know what everyone's views are on that. If you've got, you know, first minister and ministerial people on travel, whatever. I mean, I don't think they necessarily need to be in the first-class lounge, mind you, but, you know, that's something that I thought, well, oh, okay, maybe that makes sense. But I just think within the context of where we are, um, I don't think it's a particularly good look. But the funniest thing that I found was when I was reading about it on the BBC website was that they said Rishi Sunak's also come under fire for something similar, using private jets. And I thought, mm, I don't think that's the same Really don't think that's the same. Um, but I, I can see that Hamza Youssef is, is basically put in place to have a review uh, on these. I find it a bit weird that perhaps individuals might have had their um these credit cards saved on their Amazon, because I think there's a few transactions that had gone through that had then been refunded, one for a vacuum, one for various other things, which kind of looks like it's been saved on someone's computer and they've just been buying things on on amazon and it's incorrectly gone into that card or whatever so i think definitely there needs to be an absolute review of, of what these card what these cards are being used for i think the the uh, the amount of the transactions in one go some of them five thousand pounds whatever is just seems astronomical so um absolutely needs to be reviewed and i, I think it's just important like, I think when it comes to civil servants as well, because it does directly come from public funds, the money that they're spending. If this was a private company, these would be clamped down on and managed. And I think that that's really what should be happening, particularly with civil servants, particularly with Scottish Parliament, Scottish Government, you know, all these different things that I don't think that these types of things would necessarily happen in a private business. Um, so certainly don't think they should be happening uh, in in our government, and civil servants, etc. cetera. Kat.
2: Well, I will pro- provide a true counterpoint because I I agree with some of the things you said, but not most of it. Um, when when I was in the Navy for 12 years, as like enlisted ranks, you know, I wasn't a big wig or an officer or anything. Um, we had credit cards. Like a lot of people, like aircrew, had credit cards because you might have to stay overnight somewhere unexpectedly. Um, They all have limits, right? 5,000 pounds is a fairly small limit. So the 5,000 pound limit wasn't what they expected to spend, right? So that's the first point is like organizational credit cards are a thing. Now, just because you could spend 5,000 doesn't mean that you weren't like taken to task. Like people got kicked out of the Navy all the time. People got... In trouble for misspending, right so i welcome the review i think that's a good thing um but i don't think that it's weird that so many people had these credit cards <clears throat> i agree that this news coming off uh out during the cost of living crisis isn't great but the period of time that they researched was during from the beginning of covid to now and they talked about the increase in spending without talking about the increases of jobs the increase of like immediate jobs, COVID, requirements for working at home. Um, what else is there? Oh, we, we've taken some more devolved powers for uh, social security and stuff. So got to make sure civil servants are paid a living wage, you know, stuff like that. Now, some of the spending things, I think that if, if Nicholas Surgeon wasn't in first class or first class lounge or Hamza Youssef, how much more would they have to spend on security? Would the police have to be you know, coming because they only have so many security guards? How much would that cost be different? It's a cost benefit analysis of their time and resources. So I'm not worried about that. I think the equal thing, Rishi Sunak uses that same budget on his plane maybe. So that that's my difference there. Uh, I think the review should go good, it's a good thing. Um, but there's something, I'm trying to look it up now. I have so many articles open. It said that the majority of unauthorized purchases that there were like thousands and thousands that were unauthorized and were being disputed was from a single cardholder. So like to me, all of these revelations are a bit nuts. Like I do think they should be able to have away days. I don't know the details, but I think you should be able to have team away days. And the criticism I've seen for it are. um, like from politicians, from Jackie Bailey and them, I don't think it's, I don't think it's honest. I don't think they're good faith. I think what you're saying, Brian, makes sense, but I do think that private companies operate this way. They just don't publish them.
3: Mm.
2: And then large organizations do operate this way, uh, but like either they don't publish them or they have like very, very strict protocols and a lot of people get in trouble.
1: Mm-hmm. like from from my experience with private companies there's very clear rules and regulations of what you are allowed to spend and what you're not allowed to spend i don't have a problem with people having access to these credit cards what i seem to have a problem with is people having them saved on their amazon where they've obviously purchased things by accident and then had to refund them so that's that's what i was saying about there i totally agree with what you're saying um by the way um you know look at- i also
2: agree they shouldn't use amazon they should use yeah. like a local bookshop or yeah. or the author's website yeah
1: yeah, but I just think having having that card information saved on their computer is a bit of a problem. That's that's the major, major issue. And of course, all civil servants you. should have access to these cards if they need them. And of course, using the first-class lounge, I totally see where you're coming from. I just don't think the optics are very good. But the argument from Labour is not in good faith at all because you've got Michael Mara being, being uh, quoted and uh, they're saying it's, you know, frivolous spending and all this kind of like inflammatory language when actually what they should be saying is okay this is, this isn't good we need to have a review we need to have clear uh, rules and regulations in place and i think that's where private businesses differ where it is very much like i don't know your experience with the navy and of course things happen where people have to stay over the you know you're away from home or or meetings run late and they're in london or things like, that. like I, to- I totally get all that but i think when you see things like nail polish and, and things like that, that's when people start to be like, oh, this is so frivolous and terrible, and then it's used politically and I don't think it's necessarily in good faith interesting story Um, when Sir Keir Starmer, who wasn't Sir by then, was the um head of uh, the public prosecutions, he used to use public money to get a car from his house in central London to his place of work, Um, and it was claimed on, on expenses, so you know, if you've got somebody who wants to spend all that public money for prestige and things like that, then that's not necessarily a good sign about the potential next prime minister. And these types of things should also be taken in consideration. I just think when you've got Scottish Labour, you know, using this as an attack line, they can do that if they want you know that's what's what they do best um but i think what this really should be about and it is about boiling it down as someone who does hr it's like this is an inter- this is an internal issue that needs to be investigated and if it's particular card users then that needs to be managed um and then there also needs to be a review and make sure that there's rules and regulations in place so they're used and then this won't happen
2: i do have a question does the uk government publish these things like i don't know
1: forgot to look it up
2: I, I, from what I understand it, this was like just automatically published by the Scottish government. But
1: I know that there is a linked story when you read about this story about Rishi Sunak and his uh, using of security funds and things like that. So they they will be published in some way, whether they are forced to publish it or that, I don't know. But I just found that the comparison to Rishi Sunak using private jets and the Scottish government, you know, using priority lanes for security isn't really a comparison It's just it's just.
0: Um, I definitely lean more towards Your point of view Kat um, In terms of I think Actually when you break a lot of this down It's I don't think it's even worth talking about That's why I was a bit sarcastic in my intro You know when you say 14 million That obviously seems like a, a huge number But obviously that's over three years So you break it down a bit more And I don't think people realise just how big the civil service is We're talking about 22,000 people that work for the devolved uh, civil service in Scotland. You know, so when you think of how many departments, how many different offices, satellite offices, that spread across, you know, and you look at a lot of these wee things, this is like wee away days for like, you know, some satellite office away at the back of beyond somewhere, who knows? Um, You know, some of this might be, you know, leaving gifts for a secretary or... Um, an assistant manager at some wee office, you know, it's, you know, without um, context, you know, like, some of them seem a bit weird, like, why would the government spend their money in nail polish, but, you know, they literally bought, like, three wee bottles of nail polish, you know, like in, a, in an organisation of 22,000 people.
2: It could be because there was a run in stocking someone's stockings and they could it was cheaper than replacing. <laughs> you know, there was stuff about Wellington boots and like things to put on the bottom of heels to preserve a historical floor. Like those make sense. Those are things that are authorized to purchase yeah, for things your job. You need. Yeah. Yeah. And like it was for the first minister's like heels and it the other thing was for inspections. Like, of course you need wellies to go inspect things all over Scotland.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Brian's just upset because the government spent ninety quid in Domino's pizza rather than Pizza Hut. I think, <laughs> I, I, we've we've found a route of this. That's um. exactly what it is.
1: No, I think I just what what I'm what I'm saying is that I think the the one thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that these ones were then purchased and then refunded, and I thought that's a security issue, um, having these details. Available saved on someone's Amazon account. I think that the nail polish, I mean, it's, it's, it's about providing context, right? And then the one about the home disco I thought was a bit odd. I, d- I don't really know what that is about. So it's just things I like
0: mean, that. And also, how many of these, like all these, a lot of these random sort of different spending amounts could be like related to like, Christmas parties or things like that, which well, should and, and everybody's. I don't think I don't think we don't can now. The, I don't think ten Downing Street will be making that argument because no, we just opened it <laughs> up a, a whole um. Well, I we mean, know it, we not be opening it up. Um, <laughs> and the Daily Record story as well. Like there was, there was no comparisons made. Like, they never mentioned that Sunak had spent half a million pounds in a fortnight on private flights. You know which, mm-hmm. you know when you look at that fourteen million over three years or half a million in a fortnight. Um, that's before you start getting into other, you know, government spending things that we've talked a hundred times when it's two hundred million a um a Tory ward that's now hiding in our yacht somewhere or billions for the tracking trace that we spoke about, and yet you know the late Labour Party in Scotland are screaming at, this at the top of their lungs about two hundred seventy-two pound in wellies You know it's.
2: Jackie Bailey I, does not scream.
0: But like you said, twenty-two thousand people work for the devolved civil service, and twenty-four thousand people work for the reserved civil service. But there was no. Well, well, how much did they spend in the last three years? Did they spend a million pound? In which case, okay, maybe there's something to look at there. If there's a huge disparity, I think if there was, it would have been included in the story. Um. Also, how you know? It's I think it probably is quite comparable with a lot of private companies. Certainly I work in the third sector and there's definitely a budget for these sort of things like away days or staff and you know, kind of miscellaneous sort of um celebrations and you know, leaving gifts and things things of that nature. So I, I just don't think any of this seems it seems seems worth a scan. I don't think it's scandalous in any way. But well, why then do you think that Hansa Youssef has
1: then said, "Oh, we're going to have a review about this thing"?
0: I think it's damage control. I think it's it's making headlines, and I don't think it's it's such an easy accusation because it's such a, a well-worn trope about all oh, wasteful government spending. Uh, people are so are very quick to believe the worst about politicians, mm-hmm. even though this is civil servants. It's not politicians. This isn't like the expenses scandal we're paying for. Yeah, you know. Westminster politicians, uh, second homes, you know, second homes, homes private, homes. private life, you know, this is very mm. different, you know. I think I it's fine think for it... these
2: things to be reviewed.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, like I think it's so, like I, I agree, but I think what, you know, if all these accusations have been thrown around, and I think perhaps the Scottish government could have come out with something a bit more robust to say well actually this is the reason why these things were made, these are the reasons we've sold this, this is the reason we've done that and I think then that might have reinforced the position a little bit more perhaps and then it would have just taken the wind at the sails of, of Labour's accusations and then we could have moved
0: on I don't think that I think I there's a, da- a danger you can then get into the integrity of um, talking about every single wee expense like you know you know, next week at First Minister's Questions, he's expected an answer of why there was two driving theory tests at a cost of £37 each spent. And...
1: Oh, there probably will be anyways. But, but not e- next week. But then even if they were, then that's easy questions for the government. Say, <laughs> this is why we've done this. This, this. this is who's had this. This is who's had that. And move on. And it's about justification. And, and if they want to be held accountable, you know, Labour wants to start throwing this mud and then they can just, you know, provide the the answers to the questions
0: I don't know I don't want the First Minister being like the the person in the office that's hanging about at the stationary cupboard to make sure people don't take too many (laughs) um, paper clips and things like that Um, I just think it's it's so small time and so petty Um, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and if it's massively out out a step way other organisations I think we need to see a comparison And then we can have maybe an honest discussion But it certainly is an honest discussion And I think there's questions like How did Labour access this information? Mm-hmm. You know, the public information I think is if it's over a certain But they they get a hold of Not public information And then obviously pass it to the daily record um, mm-hmm. so I find that a wee bit shady as well
3: Mm-hmm
2: I didn't realize what a Labour paper the Daily Record was, like, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: earlier. I mean, this summer, they've just really, I mean, I don't even know how long it's been. It's just been relentless. It's been weird. Just not having grown up here. It probably sounds silly to a lot of other people, but.
0: Yeah, no, Labour's always been, like, Daily Record in Scotland has always been, like, the the Labour Party's mouthpiece, pretty much. And I don't see that changing. Because I think if they were going to switch to the, the SNP, they would have probably done it by now when the SNP have been in the ascendancy for a number of years. Have we got anything else we want to talk about in relation to wellys, yoga classes, hoovers? I mean, £349 for a Dyson is a bit steep.
1: Exactly. Um, I used to have one. They're awesome. They're not. I'm not a Dyson fan.
3: My mom kept
0: buying. I had it them in they America. Kept, they kept breaking. You yeah. have the ones that didn't have the limitations because of the EU. This is why we voted to leave, so we could uh. have powerful <laughs> vacuum cleaners.
2: Well, and I have to say, like you know how the 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 voltage is different in America. Dysons really are that much stronger than anything else you can get without getting like uh the door to door, which without paying three grand, you know. So fair you, enough. Agree to say, disagree.
0: Were you going to say a door-to-door salesman there?
2: Um, It's this one kind of vacuum cleaner. Hold on, I'll look at it. I think it's Kirby, but I don't... It See, is, it's that's... Kirby. So there's this... Cur- it was, If you hear like boomers or even older people than that talking about the Kirby man would come by in America, like it was a famous, famous thing that people did.
0: See, because we've got it here where it was like Hoover is synonymous with vacuum cleaner here. Even though it's like a brand, which is not the case other places, I don't think.
2: Yeah, like Kleenex in America.
0: Yeah, I never know if if if, you've heard them called that here, but I don't know if that's just the kind of you know American TV sort of influence that we got that from. Will we move on to the next topic? It's official. A by-election will now will be held in Rotherham and Hamilton West after 15% of constituents signed a recall petition for the COVID rule-breaking MP Margaret Ferrier to be removed from her seat. So far, the announced candidates are Michael Shanks for the Labour Party, uh, Land Councilor Katie Loudon for the SNP, Glasgow Councilor Thomas Kerr for the Tories, Chris Armani from the Trade Union and Socialist Coalition, Bill Bonner from the SSP, Gloria. Adebo from the Lib Dems and Vote UK Reform UK and the ISP are also running the Greens and ALBA have not announced a candidate but uh, they are expected to in the coming days I feel as if we've been kind of talking about this on and off for ages but now it's finally here what are people's thoughts?
2: I will say, mark it down I was wrong, you were right (laughs) <laughs> because you said there would be the recall successful both of you and I said I don't know uh it was like the lowest successful recall petition but still you're right um so Katie Loudon I don't know her personally but I do know um the counselor that she shares a word with that they're both SMP counselors Allie Fulton formerly of the SSP and he's never said a bad word about her he's leafleting for her right now he's out door knocking um, and he said, I'm going to read out what he said. He said, um, very thorough in council business, local representative, couldn't ask for a better uh, person to represent the ward with, and very good at winding up the opposition. So we definitely need to elect Katie. Sorry, I'm saying this as an S&P member. Ra ra.
0: Brian,
1: thoughts? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one as the the actual by-election approaches, I think we it's been a bit kind of lukewarm, isn't it? The, it's all very, it seems very much like a kind of social media campaign quite locally run uh, from both parties. Um, Obviously, a lot of uh, big names for Labour have been up, the popular people like West Street and Keir Starmer.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> popular. As a, popular.
0: As a, as a constituent of London uh, and Hamilton West, Mm-hmm. I can say that there is a lot of activity. When you go out, it's just like you just see we teams swarming from door to door and mm-hmm. kind of looking saying, try to see what colours they identify um what party they're from. And uh, a couple of weeks ago I bumped into Homza aggressive I think he was mm-hmm. around the corner again as well recently. And tomorrow night as we're recording, Keir Starmer's having an open surgery. Um, I'm a bit skeptical how open it's going. To, it would actually be. Oh
2: man, I hope you go.
0: Go, go, I'm, go. I'm thinking about it. You gotta. Oh
2: please, David. She box pop it?
0: <laughs> I'll end up arrested or something like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've got to say, I, I sounded super confident about the recall petition, but for some reason, I was under the impression it would probably be an online thing. Mm-hmm. I did hesitate a bit when I realised people would actually physically have to go and sign at like different places. Um, because I thought, well, you know, people can be really angry in Facebook, but they're angry enough to actually get up and get out and go somewhere. Uh, but it turns out, no, they were angry enough to do that, and it did pass quite comfortably. Um, I was kind of, I'm not looking forward to it. I think it's got to be a circus, like I said, like there's places swarming way canvassers and leafletters and we've not even got an official date yet um, mm-hmm. so we'll see how it goes um, you know I, I, I don't know Katie Loudon uh, but I know she does have a good reputation locally mm-hmm. uh, as a councillor I don't know anything about Michael Shanks beyond what's come out in the media he's came out against an awful lot of labour policies um, mm-hmm. Consistent which, is, mm-hmm. which is very strange that he apparently seems to disagree with Keir Starmer in a lot of things. It makes you wonder then why Keir Starmer basically forced him on the local party by banning three different candidates that were uh, locally based and wanted to stand, including uh, Councillor Mo Razak, who is extremely popular on Blantyre. Um, I don't know what kind of support he would have in other parts of the constituency, but if it was just based in Blantyre, nobody, I think, would have beaten him with the candidate. Um
2: have questions so, about this actually for you as the local person <laughs>
3: okay I'm so michael
2: shanks sorry if brian if you know the answer shout it out um did michael shanks quit the labor party when it was corbin as the yes leader? yes So he's anti-corbin yes so that's why he got selected
0: <laughs> um, also, though, people- it, it makes me very skeptical about like i don't think he actually does disagree with all these things that he's saying i think he's saying it because it's the popular thing to do you know well, it... i
2: think that he might agree with that but my question is do people on the streets do people in the constituency do they believe him because do they believe he would vote against it or influence the party in any way because when it comes down to it he's going to have a whip and the whip's going to tell him where to vote how to vote so like what good do people think it will do to elect him, even if he does believe in all the things he says he does.
0: Yeah, I certainly don't believe him. I, mm-hmm. um, I don't think other people should believe him either. I think he's, I think he's very much a Starmerite, right? and just like Starmer said, whatever he could to get elected, I think that's exactly what Michael Shanks is going to try and do. And I think it's
2: smart... Oh, sorry. No, on knew. I think it's smart that he's cozying up more to Anna Sarwar, who is more popular in Scotland than Keir Starmer is. It, I would like to see Keir Starmer give, have the Boris Johnson effect in Scotland and just have everybody turn away. Um, haven't seen it that yet, but I have to read out this tweet from Scottish Labour, because this is what Labour promising, right? Their, their whole logo is Fresh Start, right? Mm-hmm. This is what they said they would do as a Labour government in Scotland. Uh, Treat public money with respect. Promote proper transparency at the centre of government strengthen accountability and put scotland's priorities first what a bunch of concrete achievable goals you know that
0: not at all vague
2: it's It's, meaningless
1: it's just middle management nonsense that that, that we're getting here and this is the same with fresh start and uh, like you know the hashtag fresh start for you know the local labor party scottish labor have been using it and nobody's telling us what fresh start actually means. What is the fresh start for, for uh, Brother Rutherglen and, and Hamilton West? Like, what is you actually going to do? What, stand up to Keir Starmer and tell him you don't like these policies? And then he'll just turn around and go, okay, and then, you know, you'll be whipped to vote a certain way anyway. So, you know, what is that actually going to achieve? And I don't think it will. And I think the the, the constituents, I mean, you by-election turnouts are generally lower, okay, than, than a general election, as we know. So I think it would just be interesting to see how this sort of stuff is is taken on board and what the information the canvassers are getting and what the local campaign will will say. And and as I say, as soon as we get a date and as we start to get closer and closer to that date, this will turn into an absolute circus. And it's not going to be pleasant. I think it is going to be close between the two the two parties. The other parties don't even have a look in here. Um and I think it will be very, very close. Um but I do think that in my opinion, that Scottish Labour have fucked it for themselves by not choosing a local candidate, to be honest. Um, I think that's the biggest mistake. Um, and, you know, you, you've had people uh, on the left in, in, in Scottish Labour, so Martin Lennon, local councillor, rather than north calling out the, the selection process and you know not being able to to, to for the the uh, local membership to, to select a local candidate and then you've now got this meaningless nonsense cat that you've just read out and things like fresh start well People at the moment, you know, Labour UK Labour are saying, you know, we sh- we shouldn't have too much hope. <laughs> you know, people really, really need hope. Like the cost of living is, is is a terrible situation at the moment, and there's very little to feel optimistic about. And really, it's for for all political parties, and I say this to the SNP as well as Scottish Labour, that we need to really start giving some concrete things for people to be hopeful about, because you know, and and hashtag fresh start isn't going to be enough.
0: Just looking at the list of the candidates, a quick glance. Would this possibly be the first time there was more pro independence parties standing than anti independence? Because obviously SNP, HUSK, I believe, are pro Scottish independence. SSP, uh, ISP, Alba, and Greens.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens in council just, elections, but
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I just it just kind of struck me there, when I was looking at. it. Um,
2: Do you think there's enough votes that'll be lost through that that would affect the S&P vote?
0: Um, it's hard to say because obviously Labour will be looking at the Tories and the Lib Dems in the same sort of way uh, to possibly be losing votes to them. I think what will happen is it's all the parties will just get squeezed. I think it's got to turn into a, a two-horse race and mm-hmm. most people, I think, are going to vote tactically. Um so I think the rest of the parties are all going to have quite low votes. Even, you know, the mere traditional parties like the Tories, uh, I think you might see have quite a low vote as the Unionist vote coalesces around Labour and the pro independence vote will coalesce around the SNP. I think it could be it could be tight enough that, you know, it could make a difference depending who manages to concentrate that vote more. but uh, but it's impossible to really see to what extent that will happen.
2: That does make me worry because um, there's been so much chat about people who are lifetime, lifelong Labour members and voters who support independence in that constituency. Um, one of the MPs got had a bun- got a bunch of crap for tweeting a video about saying it's important to get the word out to people who are Labour voters that support independence that Labour won't help it. And there was a big stooche about it. But I've heard that more than once and from more than him. So that's worrying. <laughs> Fix it, David.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I was talking to somebody about um, in the Green Party, and I've, I've not kind of looked into it myself, but they were saying that they'd saw um, situations which were kind of counterintuitive, that when the Greens stood it actually seemed to help the SNP vote. I don't know if possibly because that is some of those pro-independence Labour voters that may not for tribalistic reasons you know, bring themselves to jump to the SNP, but maybe they feel more comfortable moving to a party with the Greens that they don't feel quite as antagonistic towards. Oh, um, well,
2: that makes sense.
0: But I haven't seen data to back that up. Um,
2: I hope you select a socialist candidate then. Or lefty.
0: I cannot say it is secret secret yet until it's announced. So Ooh. it's not me in case anyone every time I say that people look at me as if I'm going to announce it's me. It's not me. It's
1: that not would be fun that though.
2: That would yeah. The ungagged um non party <laughs> campaign would be very different, I think, if you were the candidate. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, the the Tusk candidate as well. Um I know him because he's a podcaster. Um, I quite I listen to his podcasts. It kind of football—they're not politics or football-related, but um, mm. so I, I was kind—I of, did have to check it, but it's an unusual name, Chris Sormani. So I kind of thought, surely, surely that must be the same guy, and it is. Bill Bonner, the SSP candidate, I know very very well. he was somebody I was very close to in my time in the SSP. I've got a lot of respect and time for Bill. I, don't know if he's talking to me since I left the SSP. Um, he's somebody that's sort of very, believes, believes a lot in loyalty to your party sort of thing, so I don't think he, he took it very well that, that I left. Um, but if he's got any negative feeling towards me, I don't have any towards him. I still have a lot of time for him. I've never heard of Vote UK. I had to go and look them up when I saw them listed. Vol Volta. Volt UK. No. No. They're a sort of a super pro EU anti-Brexit party, but I, like I'd literally never heard of them until I saw that they had a candidate running. And Reform UK, that's the rebranded mm-hmm. Is it the rebranded party. Brexit Party or the rebranded UKIP?
1: Yeah, Nigel Farage is is the leader of that party. So and a, was from the Brexit. Brexit. Yeah.
0: And ISP, we know, are the transport party.
1: <laughs> they are standing on a to abstain, aren't they? So if they're elected, they will abstain. Is that, is that what I've seen you anyway? Know. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's right.
2: They tried to get me to join on the ground when they were starting that party, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no 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 uh, no no. i pretty much disagree with you on almost everything except for independence
0: does does they say much about their judgment that they thought approaching you was a great idea for that
2: i mean maybe i mean it was like in 2018 2019 somewhere along there and i'm a mom you know so maybe they just thought that i would be turvy but i'm like no i grew up broke like i grew up poor and american and we have different wedge issues and I don't believe all that <laughs> gender critical nonsense.
0: So it's probably talking about October before this election comes around. That it's going—that's a long time away, and yeah. the campaign has just got to get so intense. Um,
1: I think the couple of weeks before it are just going to be like some sort of weird, like all these leaders, all these big names just descending on brother Glenn, Hamilton West, and it's just going to feel a bit like. I don't know, like a bit, like false. Do you know what I mean? It's just gonna feel a bit weird. I think.
3: Yeah, it's the thing as
0: well. About I was just going to say about Labour. You know, seemingly have alienated a lot of the local party with Mm -hmm. the sort of selection process. But the nature of a by-election is they'll be shipping, yeah, activists in from. I was going to say across Scotland, but across the UK. Um, so they'll probably only feel that um, that effect much
3: it's I much easier this... oh
1: sorry no i'll just sorry. say it's much easier to campaign on on by elections, isn't it because you can literally pull your resources from you know for for labor across the uk for SP, right across scotland so um you know if, if people are not feeling that warm towards the candidate you won't really notice it because you know you're not like a general election relying on your your constituency to to come out and get active
2: i do think that I don't know if it rings more false for Labour than it does for the S&P, but I do think that how Hamza Youssef had said, I will be the first activist, I'll be out there every weekend, and he has been visibly out on the streets somewhere every single weekend, if that means it's, it seems less insincere, you know what I mean? It seems there are people that are always out. There are people that are always going out. They're elected parliamentarians that you're not surprised to see their knocking doors, if that makes sense. I don't know if it seems does it still seem false?
0: It it seems false a wee bit just because you end up with a procession of high profile people and you know, like the the numbers, like sometimes you'll see like kind of small groups of activists, but like it's like armies that you just see like hanging about like getting ready to go and
1: Yeah. And like I said, I think particularly in that kinda couple of weeks before the election, it's just gonna turn into like some sort of weird like roadshow. And I think that that's potentially got the chance to look really, really false to the electorate because would any of them turned up in Brother Glenn if it was a general election? Probably not. And when did the front bench of of UK Labour ever really care about Brother Glenn and Hamilton West? Not really. So you know, it can sometimes feel a bit like that, I think.
2: Like the s by-election, the s and uh, for the by-election in Shetland. That was, they brought up a lot of people, but it wasn't anyone local.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's same, same vibes. Yeah.
2: It did not go well. Yeah.
1: No.
0: Yeah, I think there was a, a Labour MP from Sheffield um, was in the constituency, waxing lyrical about how, what Rutherland should do and what Scotland should do. It's like... Just go back to share. They
2: can't have more than one Scottish Labour and you know, <laughs> they
1: only have Ian Murray. But yeah, because if he wins, that basically increases their number by hundred you know,
0: percent. That'll be the to... headline. Labour doubles representation. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then you and then it'll be, it will And then it's gonna be a fight who's gonna be the shadow secretary of
0: Scotland. Oh goodness, it's gonna be one or two. <laughs> oh yeah, just going back as well with the talk about uh, the Labour selection thing, you know, when you You've heard all the kind of ludicrous stories about people getting expelled from Labour for like, for retweeting something. Um, You know, I think there was somebody expelled because they retweeted a tweet from Nicola Sturgeon saying that she didn't have COVID. You know, and it's like, oh, well, that was enough to ban, I think she was a local councillor, from standing again. Michael Shanks didn't vote for Labour in the last general election. He's, He's on record, they say that. So I voted for Labour in the last election. I'm worried a Labour voter on him in the last um four years or so. But yeah, he swans back into the party and gets installed as a candidate for a high profile
1: by election. Same same as uh, is it Mike Grapes as well, who basically started that independent pro U Change, change UK. Was, is that I what think they settled Gabes, on?
2: But I like I like Gapes, grapes, grapes, grapes,
1: Mike Gapes, Mike Grapes, 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 one or the other. But anyway, it's the same thing. And then of course, you know, when he came back into the party, it was like a nice little piece in the Times of how I can return home to Labour because it's now, you know, my party. And you just sort of think, oh, God, it's just absolutely grotesque. But it's true what you're saying. It's like, so if you didn't like Corbyn, then you can get put forward. It's the same thing that was happening with Jamie Driscoll in, in the, the the Northeast uh, Metro Mayor elections as well, who was, you know, um, wasn't put forward to the, the shortlist, for to be selected for the job that he's already doing, um, because he he was he was on a, a, I think it was a TV show or a, a radio show, um, with oh god it's totally gone out of my head the director that done um I am Daniel Blake and. Ken Loach. Anyway. Ken Ken there we go. Yeah, and of course because he is a pal of Corbyn and he himself you know was was being investigated. For alleged anti-Semitism and left the party, and um, that was enough for you know a standing mayor to not be shortlisted to be put forward for basically a very similar job that he's already doing. It is absolutely wild and bizarre, yet you know you know and, and the example you used as well with that councillor who you know and there was another one as well somebody liked a tweet from caroline lucas as well about something to do that was totally benign and they were they were blocked from from standing as well again ironically was a, was a corbyn supporter as well so it's you know it's just pick and choose and you know we can talk about you know labor trying to be local and trying to be but it's it's a complete charade it's absolute nonsense
0: yeah it's like every time Alistair Campbell Starts calling people traitors and Tory enablers. There's right away. There's like ten people tweeting them the picture of them campaigning for the Lib Dems. You know, with the the, leaflet, yeah. the Lib Dem leaflets.
2: I do have one more thing to bring up about the the basically two horse race in. Uh... Rath- Rutherglen and Cam- Rutherglen and Hamilton Wets, but Campbell's lying in there too, right? Okay. Yeah,
0: Campbell's um, Line, blind tiles in between the two. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um. Oh gosh, I have a lot of windows open. Um. The Sterling student, right? Have Have you guys heard about this? There's yeah. a student at Sterling University who has been in an immigration detention center. It's my worst nightmare. I'm on a two-year visa, or that's what I came here on, and. It's just, ter- I mean, obviously I'm a white woman, so not as much of a threat or any of it happening to me, but that's just awful. Um, it A constituent of, of that place, Katie Loudon has spoken up, spoken out about it, been very public and called for Michael Shanks to also support student publicly. And he hasn't. So I think even that's a great thing to bring up to voters who are like, but look at what change he can do. And his values are different and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, since labor is uh, quietly allowing stop the votes, this guy won't even stand up for a student who is in an immigration detention center that he hopes to represent.
1: Fresh
0: start, yeah. Yeah, fresh start. Smells a bit rotten to me. And now a word from our
3: sponsor. Our sponsor this week is Sense of Nature Pet Service based in central Scotland. Sense of Nature gives you a hands-on personalised experience with a variety of exciting creatures, from snakes and skunks to tarantulas and turtles. Sense of Nature has something for everyone. They offer sensory sessions, one-to-one in group sessions, educational count- encounters for children of all ages, and they are available for private events upon inquiry. Animal welfare is at the forefront of everything they do, and if appropriate, a risk assessment can be carried out at no additional cost prior to your booking. To get 5% off your next booking with Sense of Nature, quote Hollywood and 5 at time of booking. To contact Sense of Nature, you can do so by email on sense.of.natureinquiries at outlook.com. You can also find them on most social media platforms by searching for Sense of Nature.
0: Former Green MSP Robin Harper has attacked his former party, claiming the SNP are already distancing themselves from the Greens. It is an alliance which will see both parties lose votes, and it seems highly likely it will not last. He also added, this will be a good thing and believe it's really important we get a Labour government now at Westminster and Holyrood." This comes after figures from the right wing of the SNP called for review and renegotiation of the Butte House Agreement between the parties. Right, your turn?
1: It is matter turn. Robin Harper's just annoying every single time that he appears in the Times and criticises the Scottish Greens for something benign or whatever, that like he doesn't like trans people, and you know how it's such a vote loser and all that kind of stuff. And and then it does the rounds and all these stories appear in the telegraph and the right wing press and it's just such a boring, boring story. Apart he's now left the party though, isn't he? So I'm sure um Generally, the Scottish Greens will be very, very happy about that. Um, say, are
2: you too devastated?
1: No. Um. as yeah. Every time Robin Harper's name was used, it was by an opposition from the right to try and sledgehammer the Green Party. So, you know, it's to me, I don't think it's um a loss to be honest. Um, the. This is interesting coming from some people, some faction of the SNP about renegotiating the Butte House Agreement. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they would like not to be in the Butte House Agreement. I think that would be uh, you'd be good for them to put the cards on the table and, and you know and actually be a bit more open about this. Um, I mean, me myself, I'm I'm critical of the Butte House Agreement, right? But I don't want the Butte House Agreement to fail for the same reasons that the likes of Kate Forbes and and Fergus Ewing wants it to fail. I think it's, for me personally, the uh, Scottish Green Group could yield a lot more power if they were the balance of power and they would be able to negotiate things a lot more. That's just my personal view. I voted against the Butte House Agreement, actually, from the Scottish Green side. um, And that was my main reason for doing so. Because I think that, actually, in the previous parliament, there was a lot more that the Green Group managed to get out of the Scottish Government and I think it was a bit of a shrewd move from uh, Nicholas Sturgeon and the, the SNP to pull the Butte House Agreement together and try and get the two groups working together rather than it being an opposition government relationship. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. But Kate Forbes and, and Fergus Ewan just don't like the Green Party because they're inclusive. They push the, the SNP to the left. They... Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody will be particularly surprised by that. And then, of course, you've got people like Joanna Cherry this week on the Scottish Greens anti-gay. That was that was uh, that was my favourite one, and um, of 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 the week. So I think basically what's happened now is that the Scottish Green Party has become a lightning rod, right, for all the the people in uh, the SNP and and these other sort of factional pro indie parties, right? It's just the lightning rod because. They don't like uh, inclusive politics. They don't like progressive politics. Um, and also Robin Harper's uh, a supporter of the union, isn't he? Um, and and some of its institutions as well, as you pointed out, Kat. Um, so, yeah, and he's gone to Labour because he's not happy with the trans-inclusive politi- policy of the Scottish Green Party. So if that doesn't tell you anything about the Labour Party, that's the hidden message there. So basically, I don't really necessarily care what these people have to see um and yeah that's my general rant about that one
0: yeah
2: yeah so I think that the fact that Kate Forbes and Fergus Ewing and Joanna Cherry and Robin Harper want to rip up the Butte House Agreement is a great endorsement of it of the SNP and of the Scottish Greens and the you know the power behind the, the political power behind the independence movement um Scottish government. Uh, The more I look up Robin Harper, the more he he campaigned for Better Together. Like all the headlines I said, I saw like the trans stuff was wedged in, like that came later, didn't it? Really, this guy has been a unionist since day one, led a party which he disagreed with, and you know, found enough other things. Um, When it comes to the John Curtis, wrote a great piece in Byline Scotland. You should read it. It says the only as the only people who want to rip up the Butte House agreement are the people who didn't want it in the first place. Not everybody, not Brian, right? There are perfectly legitimate reasons to not want the Butte House agreement. I was worried as an SP member that we would screw over the Greens because like my partners in the Greens, you know, I, I don't see it as an adversarial relationship. I think we give each other what we need to, to fill out the independence movement. Um, but yeah, I, I just, Robin Harper supported fracking, maybe support still, I don't know. What kind of a saying the Greens are moving away from environmental policies, which having headlines about fracking is okay, actually. Uh, it's quite a look. And um, what else? Oh, the monarchy, he was like praising King Charles for his environmentalism. So I mean, that's where the criticism is coming from. Oh. I, I'm feeling pretty good about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Robin Harper, I think, was even 20, nearly 25 years ago when he got elected to the Scottish Parliament, he sort of was in the right of the, the, the Green Party then, and that's when the Green Party was a lot more centrist than it is now. In the 20 odd years since then, the Green Party's moved so far to the left that he's just had no relevance in the Green Party for certainly never since the. Well, I think I've been a member for about eight years now. I've never seen him. I've never seen him at a Green Party event. Not that I go to loads and loads, but he just has never seemed like a relevant figure during my time as a member. Um, and you just quite succinctly listed all the sort of all massive policy differences he has with the uh the Green Party and this was always inevitable that he would he would go in I think the agreement Agreement's just a quite a convenient punching bag for him because, you know, it was already teed up by the likes of Kate Forbes and Joanna Cherry and Fergus Ewan. So yeah, I think he's just bitter now that he's kinda feels like he's been forced out in a party that I think he thinks he kinda has a kind of some kind of ownership of because he was a big fight to figure when it was a much smaller and much different party, and I think it's sheer bitterness. And
3: I think maybe it's not
0: off, as bad as Alex
2: Hammond, right? Well,
0: <laughs> well, we've not heard any allegations.
2: I and and really, Fergus Ewing and Kate Forbes are the the far right of the SNP, right? They are on the fringe themselves, so calling the Greens fringe is is ridiculous when they're on the fringe themselves and i would say joanna terry is on the social conservative fringe i don't i don't know what her economics are anymore i don't know yeah i mean i feel I've... like i wasn't as robust with my criticisms as i should have been uh, yeah. i mean robin harper's can he handle all these headlines and all this press attention like he must be so happy to be relevant Unless, and, yeah. and how quickly will it fade i mean he's been working with gordon brown for a long time this is how he or Brown's Brown savvy with the media? He might have orchestrated this, who
1: knows?
0: Yeah, and you can kind of see the the rabbit hole like when the headlines fade, that he'll he'll have to start coming up with more and more extreme attacks if he wants to stay relevant and stay the sort of right-wing media darling that he's become suddenly in the last couple of weeks. Um, so who knows? Maybe he'll just quietly go into retirement and in obscurity or... Maybe, or, maybe he's got a taste of the limelight again and he'll want to stay in the the forefront.
1: Or possibly try and get elected
0: for the Labour Party at some point. I don't know if he... Does he actually join the Labour Party? Or is he just calling for a vote? I, I don't know if he's just sort of
1: advocating to support them or whether he's actually joined the party. But it's just a bit of a... I don't think it's a very good... Uh, look for the Labour
2: Party to be honest I, I bet he's more of a Labour Party supporter than uh, Michael Shanks
0: <laughs> also I, every time Michael Shanks name comes up I have to correct myself that it's not the actor from Stargate am yeah. I the only one that sh- watched Stargate back in the day just I, I looked, looked very blank when I said that
1: I See, I don't get any of the sci-fi references because I don't watch any sci-fi, so I'm just like... I
2: think I'm a late <laughs> bloomer when it comes to sci-fi, except for Star Wars. I like Star Wars, but... We didn't have like that it. many channels.
0: But yeah, Michael Shanks. I was like, I didn't start getting called that. That's basically what my, my point was, though. Are we getting anything else to say about the Pew House Agreement?
2: No, but I have something to say about, um, you know how you said, oh, you guys are blanking me when I mentioned this, like cultural references. I saw a mention of a 16-year-old in the paper saying Brexit caused him to support independence, and he said, I was only nine at the time, or I was only... I was like, oh, God, is that did that vote happen that long ago? That yeah. teenagers now were like, well, Brexit was my childhood. And now I support independence, which crazy.
0: Sorry, that was a total tangent. Oh, no, I kind of go over that. At the,
1: the same time, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but when you actually <laughs> think about it, yeah, it really feels like it was that long ago because it's obviously just been such a repetitive back and forth, back and forth for so for so many years. But that is pretty crazy that uh, anecdote. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. i share I'd,
0: the article uh, with you guys. Uh, yeah, i had a moment like that recently, um on Facebook and friends with it was a woman who used to work I worked in an after school club in Campus Line years ago. And her wee girl used to go to the after school club and she posted a happy birthday to her daughter. Who's 30? And I was like, in my head, she was still a child. And it's like, she's not just a grown-up. She's like, like a proper grown-up. Even when I calculated it had been eight years since I joined the Greens, I kind of still think of myself as a relatively new member. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I was surprised when you said that. But no, that makes sense.
1: Because I was... Um... And rather glad at the time, because I used to live in the constituency as well. Actually,
0: yeah. it was seven years ago, because
1: it was 2016. Seven, 16, yeah, just mm-hmm. before the
0: Hollywood election, I believe. Yeah, I joined just after Brexit. Mm-hmm. After swearing I was just going to stay out of politics, after leaving the SSP the year before. And it did not take. Move on to the final topic. Senior Conservatives, including a Cabinet Minister, say their party is likely to campaign to leave the European Convention on Human Rights at the next election if if the Rwanda flights continue to be blocked. This comes in a climate of rising government hysteria in regards to refugees after Home Secretary publicly attacked immigration lawyers and the government plans to house asylum seekers in prison barges were disrupted after the discovery of deadly Legionella bacteria in the ship's port system. I've done it again. I've, I've, I've. I'm ending as a depressing topic because it just, again, like you just feel as if the spiral into worse and worse and more extreme, vicious rhetoric from the Westminster government about refugees and asylum seekers. It just gets worse and worse. Can't.
2: I think um, it doesn't surprise me that the Tories are running on that. I, I hope Labour would campaign on a different platform. Um, I see that they are, the Tories are referring to Rwanda, Rwanda flights being blocked. So it's going to be wrapped in immigration. The ECHR does so much more than that. Um, I'm also very interested because it's Scott's in Scott's law, Scotland is a member of the ECHR. I wonder how that will work in function uh, if if the UK government, try, I mean, it'd be nice to be like, well, maybe we could get an independence referendum. I doubt that would happen. Um, but and I don't want the Tories to win an election and be able to do this. But it's there's so many. The ECHR is so important. It's just so important. Like it's completely batshit to campaign to be out of it.
1: Isn't it um people who have left the HRC or has been removed from being a member was is Russia, right? Obviously because of the invasion of Ukraine. In Greece, when they had a military coup, but they rejoined afterwards. And Belarus as well, I believe. Um is the other one. So Belarus,
2: um, which has a dictator as well, yes. an unelected, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So um not the best company. Um, over in that group, um. But yeah, this is basically just ah, uh, all the, all that we're going to see from the Tories in the next general election is 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 culture war, culture war, culture war, right? Because they have nothing else to stand on, right? You know, they they are um even if they wanted to try and pretend that they were sort of, you know, good with the purse strings and good with the economy and stuff like that, they can't they can't run on that anymore because you know it's been completely exposed for how terrible they actually are at, at operating a, a, an economy. And how unfair the economy actually is under the Tories, um, but it's absolutely terrifying that we could even potentially be opening that door to have that debate in a general election, and and the Tories making that one of the key wedge issues. You've got um, thirty P Lee, I think they call him, who is the deputy chair, um, of of the the Conservative Party, and he was actually overheard, or I think he was caught recorded. Saying that all the Tories will have at the next election is um hate campaigns and uh and and culture wars over trans issues and things like that so you know is thats somebody at the center of of the operations of the Tory party and so that really is all they have to go on so by pulling all of this stuff together wrapping it in 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 sort of anti immigrant sentiments and and outright bigotry and um, that's the only way that they genuinely think that they can potentially win um, a a general election or at least not go down in flames as and actually be completely wiped out and and reduce their numbers as a party, Um, which is just grim. Um, But I think it also kind of shows us where we kind of are in Westminster politics as well because you've got the Labour Party who's again middle management solutions to, to immigration, they should be combating these on on human right issues and on the fact that these are just absolutely abhorrent policies but it's very much like oh well, it's quite expensive to do this and blah blah blah, no it's wrong we shouldn't be treating people like this, we shouldn't be doing this and the, the government and if the Labour government comes in the, on the first day one of the main things they should be doing is be making sure that um uh, that migrants who come here are being looked after, and they've been put somewhere safe, and they've been processed quickly. It should they shouldn't be on barges, with, you know. What we can now see that there actually is really is a danger in the war supply, you know. That's that's just how horrendous the things have got, and, and Labour really needs to, to, to kind deal with this. So, I think it's just a, more of an indicator as to where this general election is is headed. I'm not looking forward to it at all. It's going to be absolutely grim, grim stuff.
0: Yeah, what we'll have is the Tories coming out with really, really vicious, hateful rhetoric, and the Labour Party validating it uh, and trying to convince ourselves they're so clever that they're let's just agree to do the same things to neutralise it as an election issue, despite the the huge damage that will do to the the country and the the just the fabric of society and the. The political debate uh, around these issues, you know, the, the Convention of Human Rights was set up in the aftermath of the Second World War to try and make sure things like genocide and what happened, what the Nazis did, couldn't happen again. You know, this isn't just like some weird EU, you know, thing about bendy bananas or whatever that they love to talk about. You know, this is like, you know, real life and death stuff, you know it's an idea that they would just leave the Convention of Human Rights because, they win an election one election you know, it's so short term and and so lacking in anything any kind of morality or anything beyond their own short term loss for power it's, I I don't even have words for how low it is Um, it's disgusting
1: It's it's really alarming when and it's really kind of come into fruition is where people are starting to say, oh, well, if they're going to start attacking minority rights, it's going to be your rights next. That's literally where we are, because this is the, you know, everyone's human rights and access to justice. So, of course, we've seen the Tories attacking loads of minorities, whether it be migrants, whether it be trans people, whether it be, you know, any other minority and, um, you know, uh, migrant workers. All these different things and are coming for these rights and now they're talking about something as serious as this. They literally are coming for everybody's human rights and everybody should be really, really alarmed and concerned about it.
0: You know, and, and the laws, uh, these immigration lawyers that are getting attacked with the Home Secretary, um, these are laws that protect all of us from being thrown on a prison ship for with, having done nothing. And it wasn't, it wasn't just the Legionella um, thing, the fire service were saying that these things were death traps, you know, and that it was not safe to fill them up with people. But for the sake of headlines, we've got a government that's quite willing to force all these people into these things, risking some kind of horrific uh, humanitarian disaster. Why, for some headlines they think might help them for an election in a year's time, I mean, it's so lacking any kind of morality it defies belief. You know, and if you went back to the 90s and said, I, th- I think it'd be unimaginable that any political party, and certainly any mainstream political party, would be arguing to leave the European Convention on Human Rights. It, I think it'd just be, it would have been so inconceivable. And yet, you know, we find ourselves here. You know, and how do you convince yourself you're the good guy when you're wanting to take away, li- literally take away human rights? You know, I don't know how people, you know, square that with their own mind view. Or do they they know they're the bad guys and they're just happy with it?
2: I mean, I think it's important to note what the Tories have done for years and years. They couch it in, protect your family or else your family won't be safe. And then they put some of these barges have been put into communities where it will create the most drama on purpose and there have been like this has been in the press this isn't like a conspiracy theory about people you know candidates for council or whatever the election was most uh, closest to it saying that look this is making you less safe it's making you less safe we got to get rid of these people we have to do this uh it's the only way you you know it's it's couched in Um, I can't worry about everyone. I have to worry about me. And it's a really scary time in democracy across the world. Um, And I'm sure it's a scary time in non-democracies, but, you know, in America, they've had hearings about UFOs and stuff because the Republicans are in charge of the House and there's just insane things going on right now. Um, And it really worries me. Like, my kids are growing up and, like, society's going to be in a really bad place when our kids are in
0: charge of things,
1: aren't they, David? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really grim. I think with the the, the Bibby Stockholm bard, um the, the, what's what's really felt quite dystopian is these call ins that have been happening on the radio have you heard any snippets of, of these types of things where people are phoning in, you know, and it's just overtly prejudice about what you're saying you you're not safe with these people nearby you're not safe <clears throat> and people you know just just ranting and, and saying these people need to go they need to they, they can't be here you know we don't have the infrastructure for it yet people are not saying well why do we not have the infrastructure <laughs> you know and for, for everyone and you're not safe well you're not safe because the infrastructure is not set up to to support anybody this is the problem so I, it's it's just it's just, you know, wedge issue one oh one, you know, where, where these things have been put in place and, and allowed to 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 get worse. And, you know, turning on these, you know, so called lefty lawyers, you know, it was an absolute gift to the right that the fact there was these um solicitors who were um trying to produce bogus claims. I I believe bogus claims to to protect certain um People who are claiming asylum in this company, so country, sorry. So then, obviously, people are now running with that, saying, "Ah, this is happening." You know, the, the lawyers are out to, to you know, to to do, dupe us and, and all this nonsense. And it's just, it and it's true what you're saying. You know, if we were to have this conversation, you know, thirty years ago, that we would be here. It just wouldn't be recognizable. And it's just, I'm just worried about what what the direction of travel is here. it's grim it's depressing. Um, and, and I, I, at the moment, I, I don't have the answers. I don't know what we start to do here because I, even, you know, three or four years ago, <clears throat> I didn't see this becoming a reality so quickly. And it's just very concerning that we are already here.
0: It's also the complicity of the media because it's, it's so dishonest. The whole debate around uh, immigration refugees is so dishonest, you know, because why are the media not pointing out that the reason there's a huge asylum backlog is because the government are not processing it specifically so they can create a crisis to then exploit and scare people with. You know, just the same way as, you know, they their campaign going on about the small boats, the small boats, when it, this is, you know, turning it into a huge issue, when the only reason the small boats are coming is because they've closed down other routes. But they say, oh no, people have to come here, the legal routes, but there are no legal routes because they've closed them down. So it's so dishonest, and the fact that they get away with that in the media—you see the odd story there, the, here and there—which is why I know about it, why some people know about it, but it, it's, but it's never like the kind of forefront of the the media narrative that the government are basically contri- contriving a crisis to then exploit. Um, they're always treated as if it's somehow um, legitimate, and it's not.
1: It's it's that annoying thing of, oh, the honourable gentleman says this, so we need to engage with this um, debate in in good faith, which is absolute nonsense. And a lot of journalists, all they have to say is, you're saying, you know, the country's full or, you know, we can't deal with all these migration, all this migration, yet you look at really comparable countries in Europe and we're taking so much less, or there's so much less people travelling to the UK, so why on earth can we not cope with it? Yet every other country within the EU is able to process and and you know integrate people into society without it becoming a huge issue because all of the um, policy interventions that the UK government has put in place is just making it worse and worse. It's uh, and you're you're completely right, and this is also what I was saying with the, with these forums that you know it's almost like just allowing people to spew and rant, and you know people the 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 there was uh, one of these columns I think it was LBC where someone was saying that he had worked out at sea or you know he was based somewhere and he had been on the baby Stockholm and you know it was actually okay to live on there. But what they didn't mention was the fact that they had doubled the capacity. They had put bunk beds into the rooms, So there's going to be twice as many people living on this. But for how long as well? If you're going somewhere to work for three or four weeks on a project, and you know that's different from being put there you know, potentially for two years whilst you're waiting for your home office um application to be heard. It's it's just totally dishonest. It's not providing the service that they should be providing to people. And, and ultimately, it's just scaring people. It's really, really scaring people. And it's making people feel like, well, you know, these people apparently are living in luxury as well. You know, you're referring to people living in hotels. Imagine having to live in a hotel for 18 months of your life without cooking facilities, access to proper washing facilities, all these different things. It is just, this whole narrative is completely unacceptable. And another thing, people like Karen Malone who are on the Jeremy Vine show, very right wing, just spews absolute hatred, writes in the Daily Express. And, um, you know, she's been using this narrative of people living in luxury and, and et cetera, et cetera. And there was a, a, a call in of somebody who's from the area where the baby Stockholm is, um, who is trying to access um, homeless accommodation and, you know, is really struggling with her own family. And it was kind of that narrative of, well, I should be getting this help and these people shouldn't, when actually Karen Malone, alongside all the right-wing media, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, were attacking benefit scroungers. It's just a shift in the narrative now, so we can start blaming other people and then, you know, somehow using their arguments of, you know, you yeah, you, you deserve this help, these immigrants don't, when actually these were the same people that were targeting so-called benefit scroungers, you know, 10, 15 years ago when that cycle was happening. And there's
3: also... Say- the- Go ahead. I was just got to
0: say, there's also the kind of whole dishonest thing as well when they use like hotel, knowing that that's kind of conjured up as if people are getting housed in the Hilton when they're getting housed in like really basic B and B sort of accommodation. Uh, we we, you know, a lack of facilities, and then talking as if about the money that is costing, as if as if it's going to be cheaper to. Buy or hire or lease a massive prison ship? Sorry, in what planet do they, are we supposed to believe that this is a mere cost-effective way of housing people? It's it's a joke, and again, the media sort of credence to it and don't don't call out the absolute ridiculousness that's right in front of them.
1: And ultimately, if we had enough accommodation, social housing, um, all this other infrastructure in place, then we wouldn't have to put people in hotels for for eighteen months, two years of their life, you know. And if they were processing the asylum applications at a rate that they should be, then, you know, again, people would be able to get on, make their own lives and be able to work and and provide for their own families and be able to get on with their life rather than being stuck in this kind of weird purgatory for 18 months to two years, which the Home Office has created themselves. So, you know, it's entirely orchestrated. A lot of people can already see it, but it's just so frustrating that this is what seems to be at the center of what the Tories are setting up for the next general election. It's, it's absolutely grotesque.
2: I was going to say, you know, another reason, like, oh, we can't afford it. Look at our economy. Well, who pushed for Brexit? The people who were anti-immigration. Like, there's so much self-harm. And I, I don't understand the obsession on this island with sending people to a different place. Like, to me, uh, the British Empire colonized a lot of places and now are wanting to send people from one of the former colonies to a different one and never taking anybody on board when it's a wealthy wealthy nation who drew plenty of wealth out of all these former colonies it's just i'm not saying america's any better by the way it's like they just sent people west on this big continent but and i consider america a colonizing nation as well but i it just oh it makes my head hurt it just it makes my head hurt that people buy it. It's like Labour Party uh, campaign tactics. They don't tell people like actual things that are achievable or not achievable. They just tell people what they want to hear and hope for the best. So cheap me
0: off. It's how cheaply people buy it as well. It's just it's yeah. so disappointing. How easily people just feed into these kind of hateful narratives.
2: It's easy to tell people what they want to hear. But it's not easy to run a society that way. Like that's why our politics suck so hard.
0: Well, I think if success ended as a down note, that I seem to keep managing to do. Um, Brian, you you need to pick an upbeat story next week for the the last item on the agenda. I sure drifted away from that, and now we're all going to be depressed for the rest of the evening. I'll just be sitting depressed, eating the rest of my pizza.
2: You want to be more depressed? Because there's a Rolling Stone article about how AI is um, forwarding and engendering and, and anti-white uh, supremacist ideas and stuff. We're going to talk about that on the next Talking Sense,
0: hopefully. So, you know. I think so it's awesome. Remember that? Yeah. But at this, at this point, you know, if we're going to have Tories running the place, maybe we'd just be better handing over to AI and letting them our AI overlords can they do any worse than we're doing ourselves at the moment. And in that cheery note, um, so you can find all our podcasts at org as well as written articles, and you can sign up for our free newsletter. You can also catch the Talking Sense podcast that, uh, with Kat and Erin that Kat was just mentioning. And if you've got anything you want us to talk about at uh, Hollywood gagged, you can tweet us at underscore ungagged, hashtag Hollywood ungagged, or send us an email, ungaggedleft at gmail.com, putting Hollywood ungagged in the subject line. You can also join our Discord community. And if you enjoyed this, please give us five stars and whatever podcast platform you use. Till then, have fun, be good, and be lucky.
3: Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.